Howdy, peeps. Welcome to episode 19 of the Ingressive Voices podcast with your host, Wayne Ashley, a division of Nylok LLC. As COVID-19 cases rage across the United States in unprecedented numbers, Americans are also looking for clarity from this week's national decision. Folks, this is what democracy looks like. Rarely is it clear. Often it is messy and unpredictable. So our national election continues on past election night, and that's nothing to be afraid of. In many countries around the world that are democracies, they are used to the fact that their election results will take days, sometimes weeks, because they are careful to count every vote. They are careful to provide clarity once the results are ready. The United States has had in previous years, we've been lucky to have some elections where the election night has been determined right then and the results were clear. This isn't one of those situations in 2020. So we we have to wait for all the votes to be counted uh, to figure out how the presidency is going to shake out. And that's important. And we'll get back to that. But first, let's stay inside the state for a little bit. Clearly from the lens of a self-professed Texas leftist, this week's election results did not yield our wildest dreams of, quote, turning Texas blue. But here are some things that did happen during these results and that remain true about the state of Texas. Joe Biden, our former vice president, earned more Texas votes than any top-of-ticket Democrat in history, well north of 5.1 million. Joe Biden also closed the gap on a Republican nominee in Texas, cutting the margin with Donald Trump to to less than six points. So that's an historic high outside of one race, as you know, the 2018 race between Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz. Also in Texas, Voter participation skyrocketed across the state. Never have we had so many Texans turn out to vote in an election. It is an historic high. So even if the end result is not what Texas Democrats had hoped, much was still accomplished in this election. Obviously, on the national level, the situation is still very dynamic. As supporters of former Vice President Joe Biden show support for local elections officials across the nation to count every vote, and as the Vice President has called for Americans to be patient and to watch for the results, President Trump and his lawyers, on the other hand, present very disparate and incoherent messages. As of now, The states of Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina remain uncalled. Instead of waiting for the votes to be counted, Trump is demanding that the vote count continue in certain places, like, uh, for example, Arizona and Nevada, where he may be behind. But at the same time, 
they're pushing to halt vote counts in places like Georgia and Pennsylvania, where the current president is ahead. So sending out these very mixed signals and, and to the point where supporters of President Trump are being riled up. You know, we had a group in, I, I think it was Arizona, start count, uh, start yelling to say, stop the, uh, stop the count, stop the count. That's, that's just not going to do it. So just so we're clear, that's not how this works. These state and local officials are the ones that run their own elections. In the United States, we have essentially 50 separate state elections for the, the president of the United States, and then a bunch of local elections that are yielded within that. And so these officials are the ones that are counting. It's not some malicious plot. No one is out there to do something like that. But this is how we determine our presidency in the United States. In our country, we must count every vote. And though previous years have yielded election results that could easily be posted on election night, the fact that this year's election is drawing out longer is no excuse to just stop counting in certain instances. Now look, we cannot continue to, quote, act brand new with President Trump. He was elected in 2016, after all, and that election swung by 80,000 votes across four states. He didn't win the popular vote at that time. He's not going to win the popular vote this year either. He was elected by the Electoral College, and he knows how this works because he lived through it. But now, suddenly, he's being resistant to a close election, and he's trying to pretend that these things can't be counted out. Give me a break. If the votes go in his favor, and by some shot he's able to make it to 270 electoral votes, that's fine. We've been here before. He's been elected before. But what we're not going to do is just stop the vote count and make him and some of his most livid supporters happy. That's the national picture as we see it now. And of course, today is November the 5th, so things are developing quickly. But let's pivot back to some state and local results for a moment. Obviously, in Texas, the, quote, blue wave was superseded by, by a red wave, a larger red wave of voters. And nowhere is this more clear than a place like Harris County. Now, you think, for example, that obviously Harris County is a blue wave, but let me explain. Though the county voted overwhelmingly for Democrats, precinct analysis shows that the Republican areas of the county really punched much above their weight. So we have to drill down into the turnout here, and we do that by precinct. Precincts in areas like Kingwood were voting at 80 to 90% turnout. So most of those areas are going to be conservative areas for President Trump, and they were really voting, right? Let's look at it another way. Uh, if we take some of the Houston area turnout, so so I'm, I'm a Houstonian, a Harris County member, so I'm very familiar with how local politics is, is uh, engaged here. And so we can take a look at actual city of Houston areas and see these, these similar patterns. 
uh, Houston local turnout in the city's District E, which again is the areas of Kingwood, East Houston, and the Clear Lake area in Southeast Harris County. That's where we find several precincts voting in the 80% and 90% turnout range. The next highest turnout area of the city and county would actually be District C, which had several precincts in the 70s and 80% range areas. What did these two districts, District E and District C, have in common? Well, they are predominantly white districts and some of the wealthier parts of the city and county. But ironically enough, from a political standpoint, District E and District C are often in opposition. Areas like these really drove the turnout in the city of Houston and in Harris County. But for all the talk of increased voter turnout across Harris County, we're now seeing that that didn't rise as much in the county's communities of color. For example, District D, which is predominantly African-American, the range of turnout was very good in some precincts in the 60s percentile, like the county's average. But in a lot of other places, it was down to 40%, depending on your precinct. So, so that's the range of turnout that you had in, the, in a very strong African-American community of District D. In District B, which is the other major African-American precinct, which was Fifth Ward and places north of that, Kashmir, turnout was even lower. So, so still 60 to 40%, but fewer precincts that hit the higher percentage marks. But let's contrast that with the predominantly Hispanic District I. Turnout in those areas ranged even lower with several precincts ranging in the high and mid-30s as a percentage of turnout. So that's showing a picture that not as many of our citizens of color are coming to vote as we have white citizens across the county. Amazingly enough, some patterns we see from Houston and Harris County bear out across the state. Higher turnout in white areas, lower turnout in communities of color. Though overall turnout was clearly up in historic territory, all of this appears to be led by the white population, and much of that in a true battle between Trump and Biden voters. Though minority turnout did play a key role in many races, Texans of color didn't turn out as much as their white counterparts, but one surprise portion of them did Hispanic voters that are also Trump supporters had a much stronger showing than expected. And that's been what's making all the huge national news headlines, how you're flipping counties in the valley and you're seeing these, these erosions of, of turnout and things like that. The turnout was still increasing overall, but it may be that, for example, uh, you know, this is just a guess, but some supporters of President Trump that happened to be Hispanic were more motivated to vote. Maybe they had more information and they were more motivated to get out and vote than those that could have supported the other side. 
And so it's, it's like a large portion of a small pie. Uh, and the turnout didn't increase overall in so many areas. So that is something worth considering. Again, I, I'm not an expert on you know, the Hispanic community or Hispanic turnout or something like that, but it is something that you could, that you could kind of uh, put into that situation. Uh, the turnout environment where the overall Hispanic vote is running far behind other racial ethnic groups, that's still true today. Now, another group right in the middle of this, Houston and Harris County's Asian community, where many precincts turned out in the 60%, 50% range. So the Asian community ran higher than the black and Hispanic citizens of the, of the county and city, but still falling short of the super motivated white voting community. Again, this isn't official analysis. This is just me looking at some of the precincts and seeing how they line up as it is right now. But just a sample survey of precinct data. From this, it's fair to say that in Harris County, the turnout picture to get the whole county above 60% was led by white citizens turning out generally in the 70 and 80 range with communities of color lagging much behind. So that's interesting because, you know, with Harris County, even though it is predominantly Democratic, it's still a place where you have a mixture of highly urban voters, you have very strong suburban turnout in Harris County, and then, especially in the far Northwest, you even have a little bit of semblance of rural turnout. So, so we get a little bitty taste of everything that you can see across Texas in Harris County. And as the largest county, approximately the populations of Dallas County and Tarrant County combined, we get to see some of that uh, all across the board. And so it gives good analysis for what you may be seeing in parts, in other parts of the state, like rural communities, uh, what you could have been seeing in the valley. So I'll wait to hear from more analysis about that too. But just looking at Harris County, that's the real story is that turnout was up. It was up everywhere, but it wasn't up as much as you may think, particularly within minority communities. And what does this mean? It means that there's still a lot to be discovered with your minority communities in terms of turnout. How strong can support uh, for uh, someone like President Trump or you know, a potential conservative governor's race and lieutenant governor's race get among minority communities? We still don't know because the majority of them are still not turning out. So it's something to be, as you hear more people talk about this, you know, miracle of Hispanic turnout among, you know, Trump supporters and Republicans, just keep that in mind that, that every time we get to an election, it really is defined by those that do show up and it's never defined by those that do not show up. So we, we have to know that. And I think it's also a matter of seeing how Texas is behaving and seeing the amount that the turnout was 
driven so much by the white vote and a lot less by the Hispanic vote and black vote and Asian vote. And as we know, in the state of Texas, the Hispanic vote is about to be the majority of citizens in our state. And so if they're turning out at a lower level, they're still not the ones that are really making the decisions across our state and across the county. Um, so that's those are things to, to keep in mind there and something that we, we have to watch in terms of this election. I also think it's, it's so important to know one other factor that, that a lot of people are suspecting may have contributed to this election cycle. We were in an uneven situation, and I can say this as somebody that has worked with uh, a lot of the Democratic organizations. None of us were doing any door knocking in this in this whole situation. So even you know groups like Powered by People was all almost entirely phone banks, at least from what I could tell, um, and that left Democrats at a disadvantage. Now, of course, we know why because it's a global pandemic. But on the other side of the aisle with Republicans, they pretty much just continued on doing the door knocking, uh, whatever, you know, despite the fact that we are struggling with the coronavirus and that a lot of that was motivated by President Trump. And it, we don't know just how safe it was, but they did it anyway. Why does this matter when you're talking about minority communities? Because that's how you reach them. That's the number one way. So if somebody's going to knock on your door and ask for your vote, it's a lot more powerful of a situation than someone calling, you know, texting you about that. You know, it's just that is going to be more of a situation. And, and I have heard, this is anecdotal evidence, but I have heard from people where, you know, they were going out and voting for, for President Trump because that's who reached out to them first. So we'll, we have to keep that in mind and, and think about that as we reflect on 2020 and on the election. But, you know, it's an interesting thing to look at those things in the lens from Harris County and see how the different areas had uh, voter turnout and what kind of factor that would be. So again, we never want to stereotype one community over another. I hear so much back and forth, you know, people, you know, are always talking about, well, well why don't you support black, you know, black Trump supporters or something like that. It's not that I do, it's not that I don't, you know, it's just not who I am, you know, so, but, but you can't say that the black community is a monolith because we know that there are conservatives in the black community and there always have been. We know that there are conservatives in the Hispanic community. There always have been. So nobody's trying to paint one community in, a, in an entire similar brush, and we should not be doing that. At the end of the day, though, for Democrats and for liberals, progressives, obviously, this is work that can't be done during an election season. If it's 30 days till election day and that's the first time that you've ever thought to be reaching out to a minority community, then you're already losing. You know, you have to be a part of the community. You have to show up. And I think it's just important that government has to be an example. You have to set an example with people and say, okay, this is why uh, the liberal pr 
the liberal area could, could matter. This is why it would be helpful for Hispanic communities to understand what good governance is. So you, you can't do that in 30 days. You can't do that in just an election year. That has to be an every year type process to be, to be a part of the community. Well, I think that's enough for today. I think we'll have some more updates coming up soon as we, as we learn more and hopefully soon we'll have our presidential race settled. But if you have any questions or any feedback, uh, please, please feel free to uh, email me at ingressivevoices at gmail.com. I would love to hear your feedback and some ideas for the podcast going forward. Um, I'm going to get back into podcasting and, and uh, doing some things more regularly here. Um, so, so I'd love to hear your ideas if there's anything, any questions or things that you would like for me to cover. Uh, thanks so much, peeps. And I hope that you can get some rest now that, you know, we can start tampering the anxiety and bringing the temperature of, of what's going on in our country down, hopefully. So, so just take care of yourselves. And if you have any questions, just email them to me at ingressivevoices at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And that's it, peeps. Thanks so much for taking in this episode of Ingressive Voices. Until next time, I'm Wayne Ashley.